The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thanks for joining us for another edition of Winning Ponies. I think you're going to find our guests very interesting and informative today. Again, we're heading on that final furlong to the Kentucky Derby and the Kentucky Oaks. We did have some great racing last Friday and Saturday. We will recap those races that uh, we went over with uh, Daily Racing Forms' Byron King last week. Uh, first up, we're going to handicap three races from Keeneland, Charlestown, and Santa Anita with none other than a guy by the name of Keeneland Dan, Dan Cronin. Dan's been on before. Uh, I believe he just finished pretty high up in the rankings out in Las Vegas in one of the uh, national handicapping uh, contests. Uh, the name Cronin certainly uh, in the Midwest known for his brother, Mick Cronin, who is the basketball coach over at the University of Cincinnati. But uh, Dan uh, can lay claim to some uh, professional handicapping. He's had 25-plus years, and he does know his stuff from coast to coast. But the first race out of the box, we're going to hit him between the eyes with the Dixiana Elkhorn, a race that could give us some very good odds, lots of angles in that race. Then uh, a a gentleman that uh, for over a decade now, uh, has had a very popular uh, website, uh, the Downey Profile. You'll probably uh, read his work. He just put out a great story in Marketplace for the Blood Horse this week. Uh, Dick Downey, he's a native Kentuckian. And catch this, uh, he, he's, he's an attorney, a retired circuit judge. Uh, the Downey Profile, many of you probably have that listed in your favorites www.thedowneyprofile.com. It's a seasonal website dedicated to coverage of the Derby, the Triple Crown Trail, and several other events. And uh, uh, quite, quite a sharp guy. Uh, Byron King, as a matter of fact, introduced me to him in, in the Keeneland Press Box recently. Uh, he's been practicing uh, as an attorney for, for 28 years. He actually was appointed a judge by Governor Bashir. And uh, you'll see him at all the major racetracks in the United States uh, for the big races. Of course, his, his niche is the Kentucky Derby. So we'll be talking about the story in uh, The Blood Horse uh, that outlines many of his uh, research concerning how uh, the methodology he has devised comes up with uh, derby winners and how it's changed over the years. Now, something that hasn't changed is the success of... Winning Ponies selections, yep, from coast to coast, had a very big week with the easy win forms. Uh, speaking of Keeneland, how about this? Last, all these races were within the last week. A $1 super on the 10th that paid 9000 
$489. Let's go to the other coast. Golden Gate, $8,285 for a Super 5 box. How about uh, there in the middle of Los Alamitos? $5,842 goes to you on a $1 Super. And in New York, New York at Aqueduct, a $1 Super Key returned $2,663. So if you're listening to this show, you know well enough you want to pull down some big ones. You've got to log on to winningponies.com. Well, uh, we'll get the bad news out of the way first. Trainer Mike Mitchell uh, passed away uh, two days ago. At the age of 66, uh, he retired from training, as you may recall, last spring, handing over the reins to his longtime assistant, Phil D'Amato. Uh, according to Equibase, he, uh, his runners won 2,000, this is as a trainer, 2,690 races. He massed purse earnings of over $67 million. Uh, some of his top horses, you may recall, are grade one winners, nine of them, egg drop, obviously, Camp Victory, Jacito, Mozante, Ever a Friend, and Romance is Diane. <clears throat> He's the son of a former trainer, Earl Mitchell, and uh, his mentors included uh, Farrell Jones, Willard Proctor, uh, Lauren Rattel, and Hall of Fame members Jack Van Burn, Van Berg, excuse me, and Ron McAnally. Uh, of course, uh, one of the highlights in his career was when he surpassed McAnally as the all-time leading trainer at Del Mar. He has several family members that are involved in racing, and there is going to be a memorial celebration at Santa Anita Park on the 20th. Well, we did handicap a couple races from Oaklawn Park. As you remember, they uh, had to kind of extend the meet a little bit because of uh, snowstorms early in the meet, but they came out on top, uh, business good across the board, on track, off track. Uh, total purses were a record $24.2 million. That's an average of 465000 per day. Now, that was an increase of 13% just over 2014, but let's go back a little bit in history. Go back 10 years. That's an increase in purses of 70%. Congratulations uh, to the people at Run Oaklawn Park. They do a great job. Uh, by the way, on the track, uh, Ricardo Santana Jr. secured his third straight leading rider title, while Chris Hartman earned his first ever trainer's title, and Danny Caldwell was the leading owner for the second straight year. All right, uh, if you're out in Vegas and you stopped by Wins, you saw what the Derby odds were last week, and it's kind of interesting to see where they started and where they ended up. Uh, Carpe Diem started out at 100 to one. Right now, he's seven to two. Dortmund, boy, it wouldn't be nice to get him at 150 to one. You could have. Now he's four to one. And American Pharaoh started out with a little more respect. Of course, he was last year's two-year-old champion. 40 to 1 was the opening odds right now at 3 to 1. So, one of the biggest swings is the horse uh, that put in a huge race in the uh, Florida Derby materiality. If for some reason you had a hunch on this horse, you got 300 to 1 opening line right now. He's 14 to 1. Well, it hasn't been done for decades, but they still take bets out in. Vegas on horses that can win the Triple Crown. And I'll just go over a couple of these. Uh, American Pharaoh started at fifteen to one. He's ten to one. 
to win the Triple Crown. I'll take that bet considering the history behind him. Two horses at 14 to 1, Carpe Diem and Dortmund. Those will probably be your top three horses when they load the gate in the first Saturday of May. Okay, the top thoroughbred pole. No surprise here. We'll get to see the top horse in action this weekend at Charlestown. Shared belief on top. California Chrome, don't know when we'll get to see him. Of course, he's over on the other side of the pond. He's got the second spot. Main sequence, third. Honor code, fourth. And Constitution, fifth. So that's the top thoroughbred poll. Now, breaking that down to the top three-year-olds, topping out, no surprise, after his performance last week, American Pharaoh, second Dortmund, third Carpe Diem, fourth International Star, and fifth Materiality. And uh, last weekend, I was, had a lot of fun down in central Kentucky at Keeneland. I was glad I was, had a pass that got me uh, through the crowd pretty well because there were only 37,193 people there. That's right. That's a big number. As a matter of fact, the third highest attendance ever at Keeneland. Bested only by Bluegrass Day 2012 and 2014. An absolutely gorgeous day. Now, this was the day that they used to run the bluegrass on. Of course, they moved it back a week this year, so uh, now it was Coolmore Lexington Day, third ever. Now, uh, something you may not have known, that uh, Keeneland is, is building a track in Knox County uh, for quarter horse racing. It's uh, located at Corbin, Kentucky, a very special place in my heart because that's where the first Kentucky Fried Chicken ever opened and so good down there you can see the the colonel's original motel well uh, keeneland hopes to begin live racing there in the summer of 2006 with 10 to 16 weekend dates uh they're hoping open then they're not sure though but they are also because that place is a little island to itself uh they are going to have uh 300 instant racing games down there instant racing seems to be uh most popular in places where uh you're not near large population centers, and certainly Kentucky Downs and Oaklawn have proved that. <clears throat> In a somewhat related story, I don't understand this, the, the students at the University of Kentucky are joining an effort to stop instant racing from going to the Red Mile. Um, they, they realize how bad it would be for the campus and the neighborhoods, one of the spokesmen said. I mean, come on, folks. First of all, you can't do it unless you're 21. And second of all, they can bet on horses at the Red Mile or go down the street and bet at Kentucky. I don't quite understand that one. Okay, congratulations to Jackie Mike Lucy. He got the George Worth Memorial Award this week. Uh, he hasn't ridden since November when he broke a leg and fractured his pelvis in a paddock accident at Aqueduct. A lot of news out there this week. Um, we will go back now and take a quick look at the races that Byron King handicapped with us last week. Uh, basically, we said at Oaklawn Park the Apple Blossom would be in a Zary rematch. It almost was by a neck uh, for second and third as far as the one-two finishers, but untappable, bounced back from her Azari defeat, obviously needed that race. Johnny V in the saddle pulled away as he pleased, winning by two and a half over a 50-to-1 shot, Divas Diamond, who just necked out gold medal dancer, the mare that upset untappable in the Azari. 
And then, of course, at Oaklawn Park, I'd have to say, of all the Derby preps, this one was the most eye-popping American Pharaoh making his fifth lifetime start. Just blew the field away by eight with so much in the tank. Victor Espinosa basically stopped riding him at the 16th pole and just cruised home at what was still a pretty good time. Uh, getting the second spot, as we predicted with Byron, uh, far right was the biggest threat, but he was eight lengths back in the third spot. Horse that just keeps going and going and going. He's eligible for non-winners of two. Mr. Z, who's also already won over a half a million dollars. And then on Friday at Keeneland, we did have a grade one race. As I said, this was a race where you played beat the favorite. And if you did, bet Jack Milton, you did beat the favorite, who was summer front, who just never fired and ended up running sixth. It was uh, Jack Milton with Arapika, horse I thought was going to make the speed, instead came from off it to get the second spot at 9-1, to one. and in the third spot was long on value. And at Keeneland on Saturday, the big one was the uh, Jenny Wiley, the grade one, and uh, the winner in here was Ball Dancing, who was the favorite, uh, started out over in France, goes to the hot Chad Brown barn, and got the job done with Javier Castellano, who was jockey of the week this week. Uh, in the second spot was a really good-looking gray, Falimbi from the Mott Barn. And in the third spot was Hard Not to Like, who won the Jenny Wiley last year. All right, that's a quick look at what's happening on the national scene. We're going to take a break, and we come back, we're going to break down some races, starting at Keeneland with a man by the name of Keeneland Dan. You're listening to Winning Ponies. school to the pros we, we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports and they're off what can't make it to the track you can still get all the action with winningponies.com the home of the easy win form the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds quarters and arabian horses at most american and canadian tracks whether it be the triple crown breeders cup travers haskell or your daily races don't worry let winningponies.com make some money for you your internet flagship station for sports Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and back with me is 
Keelan Dan Cronin. You know, he's been on the show before. He's got a pretty darn good reputation as far as being a handicapper. Of course, he's a Cincinnati-based guy, and uh, the, the, uh, the, the name Cronin, no stranger to horse racing around there. Of course, uh, his dad, Hap Cronin, known as a pretty darn good handicapper himself. And uh, his, his brother, Cincinnati Bearcat coach Mick Cronin, uh, is well known in the area. And all those guys at one point in their life worked at beautiful little old River Downs. First of all, Dan, I want to welcome you to the program, but I just want to tell you how good the news was uh, that, uh, that your brother Mick's going to be able to go back to coaching. Yeah, that was some great news for the family, a lot of relief for sure. And then, uh, you know, getting back on the road, yeah, he hadn't been able to fly now since December, so he was itching to get back on the road to recruit. Well, he's, he's taken that program a long way, and I'm sure it was driving him nuts not being able to be on the hardwood. Yeah, I was trying to keep him busy with horses all every weekend to try to distract him a little bit. <laughs> Well, uh, did, didn't his friend Rick Patino name Cronin the Barbarian after him? Yes, yes, that horse is definitely named after him, yes. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Well, listen, uh, how have you been doing? I- I've got to guess you're one of the many that's really glad to see Keeneland back on the dirt. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm glad to see it back. I- I- unfortunately, I was afraid this might happen when it went back to dirt with the weather and a lot of shorter fields instead of the bigger prices. You just it's a totally different way to bet Keeneland now the last two meets because, you know, instead of trying to to, to get a fifty cent or a dollar pick four or five, you gotta try to hammer it now because they're not gonna pay that much on a daily basis just because the fields are so much shorter and, and let's face it, dirt racing is just a lot easier to handicap for the regular handicappers too. Well, uh, that you know, that's that's coming from you, and I understand you had a pretty good experience in the uh, the recent real money contest they had down there at Lexington. Yeah, it was the first one I'd ever played in. That I'm not a big contest guy anyway, but my uh, I've become really good friends lately with Mike Bayshock, and and he's been trying to get me into it. And he flew up from from uh, Louisiana, and so I met him down there and played in it, and we sat together and. And uh, I, I was hovering fifth or sixth the whole day and ended up 10th because of the crazy format. But just the, the real money aspect really changes everything because you don't have a bunch of guys just betting, you know, the, the fake two to win in place on 30 and 40 to one shots. You know, when it's real money, they're not just going to throw it away because, you know, whatever they, they got left in their budget, they get to take home at the end of the day. So they're not just going <laughs> to fire on 30 to ones in the last race. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Michael Baychak, a great guy, and uh, he's been on this show on many of occasions. I really enjoy talking to him. He, he's quite intelligent, but uh, he, he sure does know his ponies. And Well, speaking of that, uh, I'm asking you to do a lot in just a 15-minute segment as far as handicap and three races. So I'm going to start you off with, uh, you, you know, your uh, – your home base, more or less, at Keeneland. I'm looking at the, the Dixiana Elkhorn. It's a mile and a half, rare distance, on the turf. But I think this race provides us with some, probably some opportunity to maybe to come home with a price because, first of all, I don't handicap with the odds. And second of all, I can't separate half the field. Yeah, and then I just got the odds here about 10 minutes before we went on, and I was shocked at some of the odds, which is a good thing. Um, yes. but I thought Biz the nurse would probably be the morning line favorite. So when, when I saw eight to one, I almost fell off my couch. I was like, what well, did I miss something? And I kept going back and forth. And like you said, I mean, there's, 
there's four or five horses in here that can definitely win. Um, you know, and then you got the mystery of optimizer. I mean, you don't know what you're going to get from him. He may run last or he may be right on the wire too. And he, uh, as I recall, uh, in 2005 won this race, didn't he? I, I, I don't, I don't know if he, no, won no, 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 no. His last win was... came back at the fairgrounds handicap. February 2013, uh, another horse that was in the D. Wayne Lucas barn kind of reminds me a little bit of Mr. Z. Once he found out this horse had some talent, he just kept firing and firing and, and firing. But, uh, again, this is a horse that finished only a, a nose behind Wise Dan in the Bernard Baruch last year and uh, then finished five lengths off Wise Dan in, in the uh, Shadwell turf. But I just want to go back and uh, acquaint our audience with uh, Biz the nurse, this Irish bread that's coming in from Italy, made one start at Gulfstream. It was pretty awesome. I was shuffled way back in the early going, and this is a horse. Uh, you know, you got when you're looking at a mile and a half, I immediately take my highlighter and say, who's actually won at this distance? Well, Biz the nurse, five starts at a mile and a half, has never been off the board, two wins, a second, and two-thirds, and I love that news that this horse is eight to one. Yeah, and that's who I kept going to. And, and then, you know, for a second, I, I had to stop and think, okay, why isn't Castellano riding, riding this one? But I really don't think that he had the choice because he's the regular rider for Unitarian. Unitarian won this, you know, race uh, last year. Right, and that's the horse that won last year. I got my notes crossed here, yes. Yeah. Yeah, he rides so much for Pletch with all these two-year-olds and three-year-olds, right? You know, Johnny V gets the first call, he gets the second one. I mean, you can't take off a Pletcher horse that you're a regular rider for to ride an Albatroni horse. So I think that was taken out of his hands. And, and I absolutely love Luis Saez. I don't think you're going to miss anything with them. And you'll, I, I don't think eight to one is going to happen. I think too many handicappers are going to see this, and, and you're probably going to end up at four or five to one. But that's still a great value because um, I'm zeroing in on Biz the Nurse and Unitarian. I, th- I think those are going to be my two keys in, in the pick threes. Uh, a horse that I might throw in there as part of it because – when you see these mile and a half races, let's face it, you don't see many horses that that get it done on on the front end. Though Maya Fleet is a horse that has good speed, has won the only time it, uh, uh, he stretched out to a mile and a half. What what are the odds on Maya Fleet? Because I see him as, uh, as the main speed one. with extra luck, maybe chasing him. Yeah, ten to one, and you're going to get every bit of that, um, especially the way the speeds played on the grass here at Keeneland this meet, but. Um, yeah, I mean, 10 to 1, he's going to be in front for a while. So, you know, if you don't want to be yelling stop the whole race, you, you know, I could see putting him on a ticket. And, and, and let's face it, Carey Street's only been on the turf once and, and didn't run. But, again, who wants a mile and a half? I mean, he won the Breeders' Cup in, in a hand ride. So if he would take to the turf, and, and God forbid it would rain and it would come off the turf, then he's a cinch. Um, you know, Carey Street might be another one you need to toss in a little bit. Well, again, you know, we got we got some big odds. We're, we're talking about the Elkhorn Stakes. This is going to be a Saturday at Keeneland. We're talking with Keeneland Dan Cronin. Uh, so an interesting race with, in my opinion, no clear standout. Just the opposite of the next race we're going to talk about, and that's the Charlestown Classic. Um, I, I guess you could say this is the time to take a shot 
at Shared Belief because it's going to be his first uh, foray out of California. Uh, he's going to be racing over a different surface. But let's face it, anybody that's watched this horse throughout his career has to believe he's one of the best horses racing in the world right now. Yeah, I, I would think he's got to be the best American older horse for sure. Um, I'm not sure he's going to be come Breeders' Cup time if some of these three-year-olds mature the way they look like they might because this, this group of three-year-olds is outstanding. Um, but for right now, as far as the older horses, the whole, I mean, he's got this division by a stranglehold. And I mean, I wouldn't try to beat him. I, I'd try to do like we did in the contest Sunday I, with Miss Eli. I'd just take him and, and try to pick the second the second horse, take two or three uh, longer shots and just make exactas because I think he's going to probably win in a hand ride. Um, yeah, you got, I think not everybody's done. I mean, you've got, of course, Moreno, shot. who goes everywhere, uh, and then yep. you've got uh, Johnny V's going to be riding uh, General A-Rod, who I thought made a really nice uh, return race there in, in the Challenger Stakes. Uh, do you think that they may be uh, the two you want to put underneath, or you want last year's classic winner, uh, Imperative, who put in a terrible race in the Santa Anita handicap and came back and won this race last year. And it looks like he's trying to do the same thing because he put in another terrible run against shared belief last time out. Yeah, I would, I would personally take Marino and Flushy. Um, yeah, he could keep running, but I just think he's going to stop on that bull ring because I think, I think Rosario is going to ride like Rosario always does. He's either first or last. He's not going to sit behind this horse. He's either going to try to make the lead or he's going to be sitting last. And I think on Street Babe, he's going to gun and he's going to try to hit that first turn in front. Um, and, and it's going to change the whole race for Marino. And I think they'll both end up being out of the money. Where I, I come back to General A-Rod and Imperative, that those are the two I would use under shared belief because I don't think Mike Smith's going to play around. I think he's going to go into the lead as early as he can get there. And that's going to put those speed horses away. And then Imperative and General A-Rod can come. And I think, and they're both going to be probably 10 or 12 to 1, too. And I think you got a chance to get a $20 exacta, you know, instead of, you know, Marino, that, that exacta is going to probably be $6. So, so there's no, no, no reason to even bet that. So go for the gusto, Dan Cronin's telling us. And now I'm going to take you way out on the West Coast, um, trying to find an interesting race, the Santa Barbara Handicap. Uh, three of the horses out of the Grade 2 Santa Ana are in here. Uh, it looks like uh, Tyler Bays on three hearts. He drew the rail. May have to go to the lead. He's got a little bit of speed outside of him, particularly the horse for course, uh, Fantacola. Uh, then you've got uh, is Gary Stevens aboard Diversity Harbor, and uh, I think a dangerous horse from the land down under is uh, Habibi, and another horse that uh, seems to really love a mile and a quarter. Yeah, um, and, and I even like a horse a little bit that you didn't mention, walk close, just because a lot of times these horses from the, the East Coast and the Midwest will ship out there, they look like they're not good enough, and then they end up right on the wire. And, you know, look what happened to Three Hearts. You know, when he came from Saratoga, he was a claimer. And he ends up at Del Mar, and he wins a grade three, and he's right on the wire two more two more times in a row. And that, that may happen at a nice price for Walk Close, and, and Clement's got good numbers shipping out there. Um, I, I think this horse is really dangerous, and you're going to get every bit of six or seven to one because – Diversity Harbor, I think, will end up favored. 
I think he'll probably go down, or she'll probably go down to probably five to two-ish and three hearts. So you got to take three hearts, though, just because she's going to probably hit the board. So if you're an exact or try player, you got to have her. Um, I wouldn't be too wild about her if I was betting pick threes or fours just because she doesn't want to win much. And that mile and a quarter, I don't know if she's going to be able to last all the way around going a mile and a quarter with the three uh, Santa Cola right on her hip all the way around. That's a good point, Dan. Uh, three hearts, this will be her first try at that extended distance. Uh, seems to be uh, solid at a mile and an eight, but even got a little tired last time in, in the Santa Ana. You bring up you bring up some excellent points, and then that's why we like to have you on. Well, uh, my uh, producers tell me I've only got a minute to, to close out. So, Dan, where, where are we going to find you the next couple of weeks? You're going to be heading down the road to Louisville? Yes, I will be at Keeneland this weekend in the green room, like always, and then uh, hopefully on, on uh, Derby Day we'll be at Churchill celebrating a, a win and, and try to get a little bit of a price in that Derby. I'm not sure we're going to get one, though. <laughs> I don't think you can because, uh, you know, there's uh, at least four horses that are so close. Uh, you know, Mike Battaglia is not going to want to stretch those odds out uh, too far. So uh, it'll, it'll be very interesting to see, obviously, uh, Dortmund and uh, American Pharaoh from the West Coast look like awful, awful solid contenders, and you can't get a price on either of those. But uh, what's, uh, I want to thank you very much. For, again, we're talking with Dan, Dan Cronin. I wish you the best of luck at Keeneland at this week, and even better luck when there's those huge pools and you can sneak some of those long shots in there down at Churchill Downs. All right. Thanks, John. All right, that was Dan Cronin. Thank you very much for your handicapping expertise. We are going to take a little bit of a break, and when we come back, we're going to get the profile on Downey. That's right, Dick Downey's with us. We're going to be talking about some of his methodology, going to go over the great story he wrote for the Blood Horse this week, and then we're even going to handicap a three-year-old race that's his specialty this time of the year. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. Leave the bitch's ass and then move oh, on. I just, and I just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. 
All right, and up with me next is Dick Downey, a native Kentuckian. Uh, he is an attorney, a retired circuit judge. Uh, if you're like me and you enjoy the web and you go up and you start cruising around, somewhere along the line you stumbled upon www.thedowneyprofile.com. And this is a really, really uh, neat site to go to. Obviously, uh, I don't know if his attorney practice is off or whatever, but, man, this website is so up-to-date and has some fantastic uh, information. Uh, so uh, with no further ado, I want to learn a little bit about uh, Dick Downey and, and his entrance into the sport of kings. Dick, how are you? I'm great, John. Thanks for having me on. I'm I'm happy to. I was uh, so so blessed that Byron King introduced us uh, up on the Keeneland Press Box a couple of weeks ago. Um, I've been an admirer of of your work and website for for many years. And so what I want to do is kind of rewind the tape and introduce our audience to you as far as uh, your your passion for racing and how you got involved. Well, uh, this this website is focused on the Kentucky Derby and the Triple Crown, and, and my uh, approach to it is to make it a seasonal website. And I typically start started up uh, around the end of January. This year we started mid-January. And well, Dick, Before uh, we just, get to the website, I want to learn more about you. I want to learn about oh. your entrance into the game. I mean, did you grow up on a farm? Did you ever work at the races? Did you own horses? Did your family own horses? How did you get into it? I did not uh, grow up around horses. My grandfather had a riding horse, uh, but I didn't grow up around the sport. Uh, my parents, Doug and Betty, used to take us kids to the track. They liked to go to Keeneland and Churchill Downs, and we liked going with them. So I've always enjoyed the sport from that perspective. Uh, I did grow up on a farm, so I've got agricultural roots. Um, I, I got interested in the how the Derby is won by reading... I started reading Jenny Reese's work. Oh, yeah, one of my favorites. Back around 1997 in the Courier-Journal, Jenny used to write a lot about these factors that she looked for in trying to predict who would win the Derby. And I got really interested in that, and through Ron Mitchell at Blood Horse, who I knew from UK, uh, I went to law school at UK, and while I was there, I worked at the student newspaper, The Colonel. And that's how I met Ron. And Ron is the online editor of Blood Horse now. Right. Ron got a hold of the, all the Derby PPs for me going back to 1954. I think Jenny came up with those. So I got a hold of those, and <clears throat> I decided I would start my research in 1973 with Secretariat, since he exemplified what it took to win the race. And um, I started looking... At every every horse that's run since '73, and I've looked at probably 14 or 15 different factors for every single horse, and whether they possess that factor or not. Some of the factors turned out to be non non-starters. Right now, I've got about a dozen that are operative. So, um, what I was able to do was weight the frequency of occurrence of horses with these given factors that won the Derby versus the frequency of occurrence of horses with these factors or without the factors that did not win. I was able to weight the factors this way. It's a probability weight is what I call it. It's just a statistical breakdown of the uh, frequency of occurrence 
of certain factors in winners versus non-winners of the Derby since 1973. And it took hundreds of hours to do it. I'm sure, I'm sure, but uh, being an attorney, uh, you're probably very analytical, and also a lot of times I, I've got some good friends or attorneys that are pretty darn good handicappers. Uh, they seem to be able to approach a race a little bit differently and kind of find something that I, the master of the obvious, ha- have overlooked, and, uh, and I'm guessing that's uh, something that came out of your methodology, too. Well, one thing I like about this methodology is that it is completely objective, and it, it, it is what it is. The, the numbers don't lie, and I have back-tested my findings, and they do work. But that is not all I use to, to handicap. I mean, I go up to Churchill Downs about 10 days before the Derby and watch the horses and talk to the clockers, and, you know, I do all, all of my due diligence that way. And I pay uh, close attention to one thing that I think some people overlook in my approach, and that is... Um, I consider post-race comments by jockeys and trainers to be very important. In my opinion, we're most likely to get a completely candid and frank observation coming from those folks right after a race when their adrenaline is pumping. And I just, I really, I I put a lot more stock in those comments than I do in pre-race comments. Very interesting. I love I love that perception. I've never heard that stated before. But you're right. They're going to speak directly from the heart because it just happened, and they just felt the winner underneath them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, people are they're they're in a good mood. They're very happy about what's just happened, and 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 they're I think very honest in their statements about what they just went through. But that doesn't apply just to winners. Sometimes the losers. Uh, will say things that you will open your eyes and make you actually look forward to seeing that horse next time or maybe not so much. <laughs> well, I, I found it interesting in your article and certainly something that anybody that's been following the game over the last 20 years as far as how it has really changed how you look at the Derby because, uh, you know, your study shows that, you know, a serious Kentucky Derby contender pretty much needed six or more prior career starts before the Derby to have a good chance of winning. But that style of training seems to have left us uh, ever since, I'll say, Barbaro. Uh, So how did that affect your overall study? Because it's almost like you had the old way of doing it and the new way of doing it. Well, uh, that is a uh, I used to employ that factor, six or more prior starts, and I, I had to discard it. I no longer use it. It's just no longer a factor because since 1973, the uh, ratio of horses with that factor, that one versus total starters, is the same as is, um, the ratio of horses without that factor, that one versus total starters. So it's just a nullity now, and it did. Uh, I agree. It started with Barbaro. Well, uh, you know, obviously we we could talk about American Pharaoh, Dortmund, Carpe Diem, but I I think a horse that comes into the Derby under the topic we just addressed is materiality. A horse that did not start until his three-year-old season, while it was only eleven days past his birthday. Um, I guess 
you know, you've got to, you've got to look at this horse as a serious contender, being undefeated, considering his connections, considering his pedigree. That uh, he certainly doesn't fit the old profile, but you'd be kind of crazy to throw him off your ticket. Well, he he doesn't fit any profile because he was unraced at two, and he's got that old you know Apollo curse going against him. Apollo was the last Derby winner that didn't race at age two, and that was a hundred and. Uh, 33 years ago, so... <laughs> that's a pretty big piece of history. Uh, that's, that's, he's, he, uh, he doesn't fit the mold, that's for sure. I mean, the mold Jenny used to write about in the late 90s was the horse had a good two-year-old foundation. That was one of the things that she looked at, and that's no longer necessarily the case. Uh, also, and I'm like sure Reality, that it, it... I'm sorry... I say if a horse like Materiality wins that hadn't raced it too, that, that, that's another barrier that's broken. Well, uh, also something that it seemed like there was a lot of emphasis on oh, over a decade ago that, that seems to have gone away is the, the dosage theory. <clears throat> yeah, um, yeah, a lot of people don't, don't believe in that anymore. You know, American Pharaoh's dosage is over four. That It used to be... Uh, um, that nobody would consider a, a derby contender that had a dosage index greater than 4.00. Um, and he was more of a speed horse, correct, for our listeners? Yeah, the higher the dosage, more likely to be a speed horse that's limited with limited uh, ability to go a distance. But uh, American Pharaoh, you know, he looks like he can run a mile and a quarter, and his dosage, I think, is 4.33. International Star is just a little bit over 4. Just a, just a, just barely over. Um, so, a, a lot of people don't believe in it anymore. But it, when you do, when you look back at the results, even in modern times, almost all the winners are under four. They're still, they still are. But by the same token, a whole lot of the starters are too. Well, I do remember there were one or two horses that didn't fit the dosage profile, and several weeks after the race, they did a little tweaking and said, well, now that I look at it, maybe he is under four. I forget yeah, who that started with. rating, I think, and I can't remember um, who was that. Was it? Um, that was several years ago. He wrote him, I think. Uh, Brazito. Yeah. Oh, no. The name is eluding me, but I think we're thinking about the same horse. Yeah. Uh but but nonetheless, again, that's something. And let's face it, you know, uh, records were made to be broken, and history is made to be changed. And as we see this trend of more lightly oh, raced oh. and oh. using horses to uh, have these point races as springboards, a horse like Materiality could could change history in, in the way that you would handicap a race now, considering. You know, days gone by when you really thought that a horse had to have a, a solid two-year-old foundation to be even considered for that mile and a quarter on Derby Day. Oh, yeah. You know who that horse was, John? It was Strike the Gold, wasn't it? Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. Old age is kicking in. It was Strike the Gold. And I do think that, and correct me if I'm wrong, that they maybe went back and tweaked the dosage on that horse shortly after the Derby. Of his sire, I believe. They, his, they turned his sire into, his, his sire was declared a chef de race. There you by go. By Dr. Romans, I believe. Yes. The, and uh, that, that changed his dosage. Yep. Exactly, exactly. 
So memory memory doesn't memory serves me well. It just wasn't on the tip of my tongue. But you, Dick Downey, you are absolutely correct. Well, Dick, here's here's what we're gonna do. And my producer's telling me it's about time we take a little bit of a commercial break. And when we come back, I want to pull down your website, talk a little bit about your website. And then before we go off the air, since uh, you, your uh, uh, niche at this time of year is looking at three-year-olds, we're going to look at three-year-olds that didn't get enough points to get in the Derby, but could be a factor down the road in the Preakness Stakes. They'll be racing in the Illinois Derby over the weekend. So, again, we're talking to Dick Downey of the Downey Profile. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neill. He's a tough shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports... Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, the Honorable Dick Downey. We're talking about the Downey profile and his site. Again, uh, in case you didn't get it earlier, uh, www.thedowney, D-O-W-N-E-Y, profile.com is where you want to go. And uh, that's where I've been going for quite a while. And like I said, Dick, I, I don't know if you've got a large staff or you just don't sleep a whole lot, but the Downey profile stays pretty much up to date. Uh, you, you've, got, you've got fresh stories on there. Uh, you've got pertinent morning workouts on your road work section. Uh, you've got a sidebar with your Twitter account. Uh, how do you do it? Well, I, uh, my, my standard answer to that question is I get up early. And that's really a big part of it. Horse people get up early and go to work, and I do too. And that's that's how I do it. Um, I, uh, I've been to it, been at it since 2003, so I know where to go to find my information, and I can find it quickly. And I'm pretty good at getting it online quickly. Well, you, you really are. And uh, the, the one thing I I didn't see this weekend, but I was down there, uh, D- Divining Rod in the uh, Coolmore Lexington. Kind of interesting how they totally changed that horse's running style. Of course, he's a son of the reddest hot sire in the world right now, yep. uh, Tappet. Okay. And a lot of us were hoping that he didn't have enough points to get in the derby field because he'd probably be in over his head off such a close race. But that 
he could be a legitimate uh, pre- Preakness horse uh, down the road. So uh, I was got informed from the Downey profile. By the way, uh, for those of you that are, are Twitter folks, it's at Downey Profile if you want to see uh, uh, Dick's postings right there. Well, again, you know, um, was, um, you know, he finished a close second to Ocean Knight in the uh, Sam F. Davis after leading almost all the way to the wire and... and uh, then in the Tampa Bay Derby, he backed up the third, but Carpe Diem only beat him, I think, five and a half. And he was wearing bar shoes that day, had some core crack issues. And uh, he switched over to regular racing plates for the uh, Lexington, and his feet are in good shape now, I think. And, boy, did he run a good race. Gosh, I was, I was just super. And I loved it because he's on my Triple Crown Fantasy team. <laughs> oh, congratulations. You made it. You made a good call there. Uh, what, what are some of the other, I mean, um, highlights of your uh, y- your website? I, I will say that uh, you, you've got fresh uh, r- racing videos up there. Uh, you've got blasts from the past. Well, what, what are some of the the, uh, the portions of, of the website that you're you're proud of that you feel probably get the most hits from your uh, uh, subscribers? Well, the daily the daily news section is very important. Uh, I, I just try to keep everybody up to date, and I and I do not stray beyond the three year old scene. I just try try to keep it focused in that manner. Um, I've got probably two hundred three three year olds on my uh, stable alert, and I post workouts from those that that uh, I believe readers are be interested in, and some that are more obscure, and keep those going at the foot or near the foot of the homepage every day. I've got uh, videos linked from all the Derby prep races this year uh, and the three Triple Crown races last year, and there's just uh, there's a lot to see there. I've got uh, everything from what time the gates open on Derby Day to how much the general admission cost is to <laughs> what uh, when it's going to be on television, and uh, I just try to cover every aspect of it that I think people might be, have some interest in seeing. Well, you, you you do a fantastic job. Now, I, I have to ask you: Do you still do any uh, work in the field of law? Because it seems to me this would be almost a full time job. Well, um, I did this while I was fully engaged in law, but right now I'm retired. I, I've retired three times, John. I retired from private practice in 2005. Uh, then I went into uh, I was in private practice 28 years. And I had a long association with a program here in, in Bowling Green called Kentucky Legal Aid. It's a program that helps poor people in civil cases. I was chairman of the board of that organization for 15 years, and I decided I would work for them part-time. So I oh, did that's that. That's pretty admirable uh, as someone I'd, uh, I grew up where working in the, in the court system. I know that that's uh, a very... Uh, like I said, admirable thing that, that you've done because there's some people that just can't get good representation because they just don't have uh, the, the wherewithal to, to get it done. So my my hat's off to you, Dick Downey, as far as being able to balance uh, your appreciation of law and your, your love of the game of racing. Well, I, I did that for seven years on a part-time basis, and that helped me keep up with the website. Then last year I served as a uh, family court judge uh, by appointment of Governor Bashir, after uh, our sitting judge Margaret Huddleston passed away, and I didn't run for the uh, seat. I just my promise was, if you appoint me, I'll get this this uh, docket caught up. 
which I did, and then that ended at the end of the year, and now I'm retired again. <laughs> so I've probably got more time than ever right now to work on the website, and I certainly do enjoy it. Well, I, I hope you had some time. I gave you a heads up because you are Mr. Three-Year-Old uh, to take a look at the Illinois Derby, uh, a race that had been shunned from Derby points, <clears throat> but they decided to uh, go on with their uh, pre-Derby schedule anyhow. But it's a $400,000 race. We're talking a mile and an eighth, and it attracted some of the best in the game. And uh, what I'm talking about right there is uh, – Names that are no strangers to the people that are listening to this show. And Jerry Hollendorfer brings in Cross the Line. And our friend Bob Baffert, who's loaded for bear, uh, wants to test his whiskey ticket at this mile and an eighth distance. What do you think about this uh, group of three-year-olds that, like I said, should somebody graduate impressively, may end up in the Preakness field? Well, Dick, I'll tell you what, my producers tell me for whatever reason we're having some technical difficulties, so uh, I'm going to let you go at this point, but I do appreciate your your input uh, on the Illinois Derby, and again, I want to tell our listeners, it's a really fresh, up-to-date website, they need to go there, the Downey Profile, uh, the www.thedowney, and it's spelled D-O-W-N-E-Y Profile, Dot com is where you want to go uh, to find out. So uh, I'm sorry that that we, that we lost Dick Downey, but I certainly was glad to uh, to talk to him and, and to learn about his input and his research and methodology into the Kentucky Derby. Again, if you uh, are a Blood Horse subscriber, uh, there's going to be a special story that, that Dick wrote that's in this week's edition uh, concerning the, uh, the, the way he has looked and the way he has changed the way he looks at the Kentucky Derby. So, again, in the Hawthorne Derby, he agrees with me. It looks like the the West Coast shippers uh, cross the line and whiskey ticket are going to be very dangerous in there. Of course, distance is the question. It's a mile and an eighth race. They are stretching out. So those two West Coast invaders look very strong. And I do want to thank handicapper Dan Cronin, for joining us, breaking down the Charlestown Classic. We'll get a look at shared belief. And then uh, two wide-open races. Hope we give you some input there, and you can cash a ticket with your easy win form from winning ponies on the Santa Barbara Handicap and the Elkhorn at Keeneland. So thanks, my guest. I want to thank our producer, Michael, and I want to thank you for listening. Spread the word. Remember, All these shows are on podcasts, so if you liked what you heard, tell your friends about it, and they can bring us up on winningponies.com. And for Michael, myself, I'm overlooking the manicured turf course across the Ohio River to the hills of Kentucky. Remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.